welcome to our 20th podcast, 20 not out, hearty. 20, yeah. Unlike the England tail end. <laughs> exactly, we're still we're still hanging in there, the people's pundits, that's myself and, and Ian Hart, and I'm glad to say we've got Ben uh, Leo back, second time guest. Must have done something right last yeah. time. Yeah. You must have done something right, and but sadly, Ben Stokes was still suspended when you was there. Uh, there like, well, yeah. he, he was originally suspended. Yeah. Just quickly, as a sports journalist, with the most important, um, one of the most in sporting, uh, important sporting contests going on, it can't help our cause that the, that the best cricketer in this country and possibly one of the top three cricketers in the world is under police investigation and not playing cricket. Well, we, The Sun, my colleagues who wrote that story, we broke it. We did hint in the story what the, the, the fracas was about, and it was yeah. because, and it's since it, come it out, was, yeah, that he was, defending was a pit, sticking know, up for some lads, yeah, for some gay, gay lads who were getting some lads, stick. So, so um, I've, I've always personally thought that he shouldn't have been under investigation by the police. I think they should have just forgotten about it and, and considered the circumstances, and I don't think he should have been suspended for... Um, from, from playing either, but um, yeah. I don't see. I know somebody, sadly, that committed or um, no, didn't commit an offence. <laughs> Careful. But I know someone that was accused of something the other Wednesday, and they appeared in a court at Brighton Magistrates Court on the Saturday morning. Yeah. In a special court on a similar sort of allegations to what Stokes is. I think it's absolutely ludicrous. Sorry we're digressing like, quest- right. yeah. like question time. <laughs> but I like it well. It's what do a- you think, Kev? Because you're like King Solomon. What <laughs> do you well, I think it's, it's the time, isn't it? Why does it take this long? That's the thing I don't get. Why is it taking this long to, to reach you know, the decision of what he's going to be charged with and everything else? don't understand. On the flip side of that, though, he, as a professional cricketer, he shouldn't have been out at that time Boozing anyway, should he? Uh, whether he was boozing or not, who knows? But he was out at that time. Yeah. We'll, we'll, let's get to the dentist chair. Yeah. Let's get yeah. to Bobby Moore and Jimmy Greaves in the 007 club in 1970. You know, where do you stop? Yeah, times meant to be different, though, aren't they? You got well, two wrongs don't make a right, Hearty. Today, that's a, I'm afraid. That's a, yeah, there's a joke about Ian Wright and two Chinese players. But anyway, <laughs> let's go. No, we don't want you prosecuted as well. <laughs> no. So. And, and Ben, of course, the challenge is that no guest has been on three times. So if your <laughs> performance is top draw, you could be breaking new records. Yeah, right, right, right. No I'm one's come back a third time. I'm a bit hungover today, so there's a, a, a high good. risk that you know no, a hat trick's not going to happen. Well, for those of you who didn't remember Ben last time, you've heard Sun Journalist, but also a gooner, aren't you, importantly? Yeah, podcast, big Arsenal fan, yeah. So, you know, as a gooner. so I guess... Um, Today, gents, in terms of the topics, we're going to be doing a bit of a Barry Norman in terms of a film review. We've got yeah. two big footy movies out this week. Uh, Kenny, obviously about Kenny Dalgleish, and uh, 89 about some meaningless game that between Arsenal and Liverpool. I think there was a league title involved. I don't we'll, think it was meaningless. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll touch on that later. I can see Ben smiling already on that one. So we've got a couple of movies, and we're also going to look at the, um, the Alan Shearer documentary on the BBC around uh, Alzheimer's uh, in football. Um, so we're going to cover that, and then, as usual, uh, super cool and uh, a major tool. But before we get into that, gents, uh, reflecting on the weekend of football, getting quite interesting. I was looking at, uh, you know, we know Brighton in ninth spot at the moment, but only a six-point gap between them in ninth and third from bottom in the Premier League. So it's looking incredibly tight. Would, tight. would you two say from Brighton down, 
that's the, the, th the three going down yeah, are going to come from that group? No, I think, you know, the Brighton have got some hard games coming up. Obviously, that's a time of going to press. We've got Palace on Tuesday night, and then we've got Liverpool on Saturday. We've then got um, Huddersfield and Tottenham, and then Burnley and Watford before going to Chelsea on Boxing, Boxing Day. Day. You've almost, I mean, there's no easy game in the Premiership, we know that. Even tomorrow night isn't going to be an easy game. Um, but you've probably got three or four games there that the Albion have got to think are winnable. They've got to go to Huddersfield and think they can win. But do you think from Brighton down, everyone there is in a relegation? Yeah. I'm not saying that they're in a relegation fight. I think there's always that, that threat. But I, but I wouldn't say, I'm, I'm more confident, you know, we'll come on to where I've been this morning, but I'm more confident now, I mean, you know, and, and Brighton are getting credit, you know, for, for being ninth and playing some decent decent football. I think there's a lot of bad sides. You went to Swansea and I went to Swansea. I mean, that, that was, they are in free They're fall. definitely, I think it's Swansea yeah. plus two others. They're basically. in free fall and I think West Ham and... and you know, maybe Huddersfield will get sucked into it. I can't see, all right, never say never. I can't see us getting sucked into a relegation. What fight. do you think, Ben, as a, as a, with no blue, a new blue and white spectacles on? What do you see? <laughs> oh, do, you, do you think everyone's in it from Brighton down? Yeah, I think if you look at the table from today, from Brighton um, to the bottom, then it's all, uh, you know, they're all going to be scrapping, I think. Like you said, but I think Swansea are looking really bad. Everton, obviously, they were... Uh, the big topic at the moment, but are they going to turn things round? Palace seem to be turning things round, but I met an Everton um, fan that was in the opposing dugout at Sunday football yesterday, and he came out with the classic cliche: "We're too good to go down." And that was before they got done at Southampton. Well, Newcastle were saying that, weren't they? A know, of years and ago. I think, well, Newcastle, if, if Benitez goes and and, and this and this um, takeover doesn't go through, you don't know. They could. It's all about the choice of manager at Everton, surely. That, well, they're talking about Allardyce now. Well, he's odds on now. He's he's one to five on. And you never see a bookie on a bike there. A lot of money today on on Sam Allardyce to take over. So, to be seen. But okay. as, as far as Brighton go, I've got a nice wedge on them to finish in the top half of the table. Well, that's season, good. So. You see, and they see you'll be welcome back in my house <laughs> again. But with your man love crust with Silver, so why did he stay at Watford? Why did you why do you think he didn't? Well, go? I think I don't know. You know, the Everton were going to have to pay a lot of money, weren't they, to, to buy yeah, him out of the contract? But apparently they got a lot of money with old Shah of Iran or whatever. Well, he's flying at Watford, isn't it? The minute, let's be honest. What are they? Eighth or something at the moment? They're, they're certainly above Brighton, so they got to be what eighth or seventh. Um, he's got them playing well, isn't he? I suppose, is it great on the CV to be taking your third Premier League job in about 10 months? I don't think that looks uh, yeah. particularly good. Um, and if you have a good season at Watford, uh, if he keeps them up there, who knows what opportunities he'll get next. As, as I've said, as you know, with my, ma I, my man crush, I think he will manage a top six side in the Premier League or he'll manage a big club elsewhere. I, I think it'll be Silver's probably in the same boat as Sean Dyche, isn't he, at Burnley? He's got some security. He knows that See, I, I he's think Dyche and Hewton are in, um, and we touched on this the other day, I think Dyche and Hewton are in wonderful jobs because they've, yeah. got, they've got owners that are local owners. You know, all, all the Burnley owners are Lancastrians, all the Burnley border Lancastrians. Um, Tony Bloom's been coming to the Albion since his granddad was the vice chairman back in the 70s. Um, and we've got British managers, as Burnley proved, even when they went down, Dyche didn't go. And I, and I think, never say never, and, and everyone, you know, Peter Reid said, the only thing you can guarantee about 
um, being a football manager, eventually you will get the sack one day. Um, I think they're both in jobs that, that we get, all right, we'll never get to the Arsene Wenger, Ferguson type thing, but I mean, Dyche has been in job for five uh, five don't, years. Don't now. you think we pigeonhole these managers, though? Because I just think it's a bit like the old Allardyce and Pulis bit. All these managers seem to come with a strap line, and then we just think of them that one dimensional. You know, it's like Pulis and Allardyce, they'll come and save you, but, but don't trust them to do any more than that. I think Dyche has got a, a badge of playing a certain type of football at a lower level. Uh, or, or smaller clubs, perceived smaller clubs. Can he do it at a big club? Silver's probably got a reputation already, even though he's not done it, of playing, you know, because of the type of football he plays, this guy can go all the way. Yeah. I think a lot of these managers get pigeonholed. And Hewton, you look at Hewton's record's great, but he is almost pigeonholed as right. He's the sort of guy who'll get you out of the championship, solid performance. He'll probably keep you up in the Premier League, but he's never going to do more than that. Well, I think it's What's the same, same, one, same at the top as well. You've got Wenger, who for the past 10 years has just been known for securing Champions League football so I think it works at the top but um, I, I, I think Sean Dyche and the likes of Silver would be better off staying where they are to be honest yeah. Yeah. well it looks like they're going to didn't it it's amazing how Allardyce see, they weren't we, interested in him and we now suddenly great, his favourite I mean, we had yeah. a very talented British manager in my opinion in David Moyes at Everton he, he'd done he did longevity he'd gotten playing the saviour of West Ham and now you know, went to Manchester United and he failed. Went to the went to Spain and he failed. Went to Sunderland, failed. Is he no. going to save West Ham? I mean, you know, he, he, how did he get the job? He, I would like to know. But. Why? Well, like you just said, three failures and he turns yeah, up at West Ham. But we've said this before, Kevin. It's the only. It's the only apart from probably banking. It's the only. Um, occupation where you can actually balls up, get the sack, and then two months later, someone will give you. The same job doing something else. I was so. surprised he got the job because Karen Brady is known for not being a big fan of him after his uh, his comments what? about the what, to about? The, the female journo saying he was going to ah, give her a slap. Right, she yeah, did a yeah. column in the Sun um, shortly after that, proper you know ripping into him. So um, and six months. <laughs> She's only a apprentice. She must be good. Yeah, six month contract. I mean, what you know, if you're a player, you know Moyes is short term, don't you? Six month deal. Anyway, we shall see what happens to the hammers, won't we, gentlemen? So, so no, just just to clarify that, yeah. So, if if Karen Brady was that against him, do you think she was overruled then, Ben? Yeah, I've been thinking about it. At the time, she really laid into him. She wasn't happy with it. A lot of people weren't happy with what he said. I mean, I, I mean, I lots it was quite of the funny, things really, she but... says for effect. She is more. She is a bit more than hairdo and perfume, and she's a very very talented person because she's got as far as she's got. But. At the end of the day, it's a business, isn't it? She's yeah. running a business, and if she thinks this guy is going to you know, save their coffers, then get him on board. I'm sure they'll be flocking back to the London Stadium. To but will they David stay for 90 minutes, team. though? Unlikely, unlikely, yeah. I think. And uh, just one bit of, uh, a bit of a promo here before we kick into the agenda. Mr Hart, you, you've been mixing with senior management at Brighton and Hove Albion, I don't, I don't think he's... Well, no, he's senior <laughs> management. Yeah, senior. We, we had a little bit of a one-off today. Um, a special which we went, went to film with Paul Barber which will be out on YouTube to so let people know yeah, who don't know who Paul Barber is Paul Barber is the Chief Executive Officer of Brighton Over Albion and uh, I had a quick brief chat with him which we filmed and that will be out on YouTube before the Liverpool game at the end of the week this should be out on Wednesday afternoon so they'll have a couple of days to digest this and then we'll go into the YouTube. You've got audio and visual audio, in one week audio visual no, no. Stuff, uh, yeah. right then so, 
film reviews. Let's uh, start off, and I guess it depends on the age and demographic of the audience. We've got a good demographic in here. Ben's just filled us in that he was born in 89, which which made us feel great. I think I've got a jumper <laughs> old <older> upstairs. <laughs> Would you like to take over? So the, the first footy movie out, and obviously the, the doc, sporting documentaries are becoming yeah. good business, oh, number oh, one. Right. They're becoming real, you know, like the Did Senna you see the Gaza one? Biggie. Gaza. That's one on Gaza, wasn't there? We've had motor with the Senna one, I think, was was did huge, yeah. didn't it? I mean, but anyway, we get more and more of these. So Kenny Dalgleish, and I guess just sort of position a bit of this guy. There's the one side of Dalgleish which says, you know, you look at the trophy. He's, he's the last Liverpool manager to win a trophy. He's the last Liverpool manager to win the league. Won six, you know, titles as a player, three European Cups, League Cups. He did, did I think, three titles as a manager. Won the double anyway. So, so he's got done something. Celtic. Look at that, come on. Sliding doors, though. I, sliding I'm doors. I'm trying to cut it down, there's so no, many no, trophies. But sliding doors now, Kev. If Keegan hadn't gone to Hamburg in 77, would he have even signed for Liverpool? Because he was ultimately Keegan's replacement. He was Keegan's replacement, absolutely. Yeah. So, if, so if Keegan hadn't gone to Hamburg, would history have been different? But look, they both did a right out of it. Keegan went on to be double Ballon d'Or winner, didn't he, at Hamburg? Yeah. And, uh, and, and Kenny, in the charts as Kenny's well. a legend. King the, Kenny. Yeah. But the, other, the interesting thing about the documentary, so you've got the player, the manager, Celtic Liverpool, but of course he's associated with three footballing you know, disasters. Obviously there, there's Hillsborough, as, as we all know, while Liverpool manager. Um, he also experienced the Ibrox yeah, disaster as a fan. Yeah. And, and as a player, taking for, over at Heinz. Was he not playing for Celtic then? No, 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 not at all. He was a supporter, wasn't he? Was he? In, yeah, he was in the crowd. Was he? he was in the crowd. He was so in he the must crowd. have been a Celtic reserve then? Yes, he was. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. what he was, yeah, at the game. So, so he was there at Ibrox as a, as a fan. As a, high saw, of course, at Liverpool. Yeah. He was asked to take up the manager's job after that. Yeah. And, then, and then Hillsborough. So there's quite a lot, I would say, packed into this film about what he's done... I suppose, in, particularly in support, yeah, the Hillsborough thing has obviously gone on for years. And in terms of the contribution that, that him and, and his and his wife Marina have, have made towards that, there's accolades galore on it. George Best, you know, talking in the highest, um, I guess, highest levels. And he was also a Ballon d'Or runner-up in '83 behind Michel Platini. So he was. That's where he was cutting it. I mean, what's? I'd be really interested with the two of you. I guess Ben from. Like being a younger guy, and and I don't know how Kenny Dalglish is perceived from your age group. Whether you just see yeah. him as a manager, or, or is the playing history there? And, and then maybe on to Harty about where you would pitch Dalglish in the, in the sort of football hall he, of fame type he, thing. Kenny was, I mean, his accomplishments were way before my time. So as you mentioned, I was born in '89. So um, my last sort of memories of him, I guess, are when he came back to to manage Liverpool again. Um, when uh, I think he oversaw the Suarez ever incident, and from that particular incident, where the the Liverpool team all came out with T-shirts supporting Suarez and things like that, he for me seemed to lead that, and that kind of is my lasting memory of him. And it was, I thought it was a bit distasteful to be honest. So being a younger guy, that's my I can't believe you summarised Kenny Dalglish's <laughs> career with that's the what I mean. Suarez T-shirt. That's what I mean. Because oh, I'm 28. Distasteful. <laughs> Because I'm 28, that's that's my. But did he, I was memory. interested, like you know, like big, but let's say like you know, Pele, Cruyff, whatever. You don't have to have been born at that era to sort of no. know about yeah. them. Yeah. Do you think? Um, 
do you think Dalgleish then in your generation is is not really known as much of what what he did as a player? He's definitely known. I, I know. I know of him, but I think if if you're really going to hold people in in high esteem, you want to have seen them playing in the flesh or been alive when they were playing. Um, for for younger guys like me, obviously we know who who Kenny Dalgleish is and what he's achieved, but I'd you know. I'd, you see, I'd, I think it's the saturation of, of, of football going back to 1992 and with the all all the live football and you know match of the day only used to have two games on and and the big match on a Saturday, yeah. on a Sunday afternoon. So the, the the top players you only saw them sporadically. You read about them in the papers and 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 I think they were on a different sort of level um, to what they are now. It's um, they're still big. I mean, I see Messi's just signed a contract. Is it? Is half it half a million, a, million a, week, a week? So yeah. you know. It's, but so so they're still on. A di- but it's a di- but it's a different way now. Isn't so it? what was your? T- I mean, you obviously are from the era. Harty would have witnessed Dalglish. Where is he in your mind as a neutral in I, terms of as a neutral, as a player and a manager? He is one of. He is a great. I would put him up there with the likes of Charlton, Best, Law. Um, you know, to a degree, probably not up, not quite up with Pele and Cruyff, but you know, a great, probably someone that if you went into a into a a, a football bar in Nigeria, they would know who Kenny Dalglish was. Yeah. Um, very exciting. Do you remember the goal he scored in the Europe in the World Cup qualifier for Scotland against Wales at Anfield? Yes. Yeah. When, absolutely. When, um, absolutely. Wales had, had, had their attack had broken down and. And they broke away, and it was a flying header. Do you remember that? I do. It? Top corner. Yeah. And he's joint top scorer, isn't he, with Dennis Law for Scotland? Yeah, and I, I, I just think he's a great. Well. Um, in the summer of '77, he was actually 60 grand less than Keegan. They got 500 grand for Keegan. They, they signed Dalglish for 440 grand. Correct. And um, it was them. it was almost like by the time they got to September, October, it was almost like Kevin Who, wasn't it? It was. He, he definitely he, he, hit he the just, ground running, he didn't he, straight away. Didn't he score six in seven, something like that? It he had a great... Like, I, I remember even the charity shield he like, yeah. Yeah, hit the bar over. So he, he was sort of straight in there in who, terms of... Who uh, would you compare him to today? Because I never saw him play in, in the flesh. I've seen clips of him. But. That's a difficult one because football's moved on, hasn't it? I, because of the influx of, of the foreign players, um, there's... There's not really. It's more like a number in a way, like what you would see with the number the number tens now, because he was. But he wore number seven, didn't he? He wore number seven, but like Ian Rush, he's obviously record, you know, goal scorer for Liverpool. The amount of goals he set up for Rush, you know, so he he played a lot, a lot of assists as well as as well as being very skillful. Uh, A lot of goals, you know, outside the box as well. He's well known for just like shielding the ball, great passing as as well as a as well as a finisher. And one thing I tell you that does come across in the in the documentary is that connection with the fans. And I don't just mean through Hillsborough. I mean that that era of footballers. Mm. They were so much more in, entrenched in yeah. with the supporters. There wasn't that distance because there wasn't, I guess, that great disparity financially as well. And watching that, you see how much he's revered by the the community. I think Glasgow and in Liverpool, in terms of uh, in terms of yeah. his association with those clubs, quite interesting. Big Jock Steen, another thing. Big influence because you know the Rangers. Rangers fan was he as a kid? His dad supported Rangers, and it was Celtic. The Celtic, one of Jock Steen's assistants, basically came round his house, left his wife and kids in the car, spent an hour 
convincing Dalglish to come to Celtic, knowing he was a Rangers boy. So, uh, so yeah. It's an interesting point about being close to the fans. I, even in the sort of nineties when I was growing up, the Arsenal players Adams, Bold, Dixon would all be down the pub before the game and after the game with fans and stuff. But you just don't <laughs> yeah, get that now. Yeah, Tony Adams spent too much time up with me. Do you remember when he got done for drink driving when he was one, well, you wouldn't be, you were one year old and he smashed into a wall. Yeah, I've heard about it, and yeah. And someone yeah. said the ref was asking him to move the wall back. <laughs> yeah. That's, a, that's, a, that's a, a seamless link into 89 there, Ben, isn't there it? Are. The other football movie <laughs> out this week was obviously, similar time around, yeah, that was um, the year of Hillsborough, you know, that final game to settle the league title in 89. There'd been, I think the league was suspended for like five weeks. Um, over over Hillsborough, and interestingly, Arsenal going into that game. So for everyone's benefit, you know, Arsenal had to win at Anfield by two clear goals to win the league. Was it really five? I, I, I don't think it was five weeks, was it? It was. Was it five weeks? Shall Go on. You, we'll go. We'll go you online. On. Yeah, I don't think but, it was suspended. But it was. But for that, I guess for that period, the, the key thing is that. Arsenal had actually led the table for most of that year yeah. and actually got into a, a, a terrible run. They, their last two games before playing Liverpool in that game, they were home to Derby and home to Wimbledon. They lost to Derby at home, drew with Wimbledon. And I guess that George Graham is giving the context that going into that game, mm. you know, Liverpool were on this crescendo of just winning game after game and had yeah. caught Arsenal up and had only just overtaken them. And Arsenal were off the back of a, like a, a really, really bad run. poor run going into that. Because um, it was the Friday after the cup final, wasn't it? Well, well interestingly, they, they turned up on the day. Because George Graham said he wanted to get in and out of Liverpool quickly on the basis that he didn't want the players feeling the pressure. So the, like Paul Mercer was saying the Arsenal players actually travelled up to the game on the day, which is like, you know, know sort of unheard of, yeah. basically. Right, uh, I, think, I think it's akin to... Um, uh, I was listening to something from Amy Lawrence, the Guardian uh, sports writer who helped produce the film. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was saying that, you know, it would be akin to Arsenal today going to Man City in the form they're in, last game of the season, needing to beat them by two goals and, you know, and, and triumphing against the odds. Um, and I'll never forget what I've watched on YouTube even now, because it's the year I was born, I think it's, you know, a nice, uh, nice coincidence. But Michael Thomas threw one goal. And the commentator, um, what does he say? It's up for grabs now. It's up for grabs, Brian right. Moore, yeah. But you watch it, you watch the clip and you think, shoot, shoot. And I can't imagine what it would be like, a, you know, actually there in the flesh. And you think, just pull the trigger. But he, he, he was so it, calm. That was Lee yeah. Dixon was saying that exactly, they're all watching him like slow motion. And he said, and Thomas says on the film, it was, uh, was it John Barnes, Barnes wasn't it? it? Yeah. John Barnes was up by the corner flag and that Liverpool side and the, the defender said it instead of just like staying at the corner flag or hoofing it into the crowd or anything he decided to try and take him on and score another goal and of course lost it straight down the other end but Thomas the composure and he even said he was waiting for Groblar to go down it yeah. was like who's going to make the first move and he waited and waited and then he just dinked it over composure I mean Imagine incredible that. in that in that moment yeah. I wonder if Groblar was on 2-0 Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> right. The cheeky wager, yeah. isn't it? But uh, I mean, for no one, that, that obviously the back four sort of uh, legendary, isn't it? And Arsenal still to this day. Yeah, and I, I think Wenger gets um, too much credit for his early success at Arsenal because he, he inherited 
um, a wicked back four and a, yeah. a good set of lads. I mean, they from they made Rams a little little bit of a they had a blip with when they went for Rioch, wasn't it? In between. Yeah, yeah, it's about six months, I think. But yeah. he, he signed Bergkamp. Yeah, he did. So <laughs> but I'm, but I'm saying, what, Graham went for non-football reasons, didn't he? I mean, I'm not saying that he'd have stayed there as long as Arsene Wenger. Yeah. But he'd have stayed there, probably stayed there for quite some time. He, he, had, he was interested in the players. He literally, predict, his whole, apparently, team tour before the game at half-time was basically, we're going to, Everyone thinks we're going to get. It's all in the papers. Arsenal going to have to go for Liverpool. Got to win by two goals. And Graham just told them, nil nil at half time. Keep it tight. We're going to nick one, and then they're going to feel the pressure, and we're going to like steal at the end. And of course, when they went in at nil nil, and they said the game was nothing. It was like both teams were almost like a bit petrified to do anything, and they got in at half time. And Graham was just fantastic. Just what we wanted. Just what you know, they've executed the plan to perfection. You yeah. know. Now we're going to nick the first goal. They're going to, you know, he always sort of wrote, wrote the, the script. script. So they, but yeah. they were almost brainwashed and thinking, yeah, this is, this is how it's, it's going to be. And of course, Rowcastle as well. There was the dad of yeah. right on there. Yeah. Obviously the whole sad story about him afterwards. But, um, but yeah. Well, I'm just, just reading here that a peak British television audience of over 12 million saw the game. That's incredible. Imagine, it, imagine 12 million today. I know you've got worldwide audiences, but... But 12 million in Britain, yeah, yeah, yeah. watching the game. Yeah, see, but the cup final, if you, if you go back a little bit further, Ben... More than that. The cup final used to get that every year, didn't it, on yeah. both sides. And it was 18 years I mean, since Arsenal had won the title. Yeah. yeah. It's the other 12 team. years before that, on Christmas night, Morecambe Wise got 29 million. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they never won the league. So, do you think George Graham sort of come out of management too soon? I think he was always flawed. I think he was flawed. I think the problem with the with the John Jensen thing and, and don't think he had a choice, did he? Really? I, I think you know, getting the sack from Arsenal and being yeah. thrown upon, and then going to Leeds, and then he went to Spurs, didn't he? And, and always difficult. That, you know, that's probably a, a, another topic that to to sort of go across a divide and manage. I, I know players have gone gone across divides but for Graham to actually go I know Terry Neal had done it previously yeah 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 basically go from Arsenal to Spurs you know I, I can't see Aguero uh, I can't see Guardiola going to United no no can you no. Or, 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 there's quite a few of them of Arsenal Spurs I mean, I mean I suppose more as players yeah no play, I've seen yeah, management you management, know that, that, yeah. that top and yeah. the, there's, there's talk of Brent coming to them today's game there's talk of Rodgers going to Everton would you see him doing that? Well, I thought he'd come out and said he wouldn't do it. Oh, has he did said that? I thought, I'm sure I had someone say that he wouldn't go to Everton. So I, I saw it in the, on Sky Sports News or something. I was thinking, hang on, would he, would he do that? I know he's been he to can't Chelsea do that, this Brendan. Week. Come on. <laughs> there you yeah, are. Liverpool didn't want him, did they? So His position had become untenable yeah. after that thrashing at Stoke at the end. So who did you, did you think Arsenal had a chance, that 89? Can you remember when you were watching that half I was, I was watching it in the Clifton pub, sadly, no longer with us. Um, yeah, no, I thought it was an exciting game. I mean, that, that could, because my, my London, because um, my granddad, granddad Hart being London-based, Arsenal were always his team, so that was wonderful for him to be sitting at home watching that. Um, I think he was aged about 87 then, so yeah, so that no, was good, good. I spoke to, um, I bumped into Alan Smith a couple of months back, the, yeah, yeah. obviously the former Arsenal striker who banged in there first, and he said that they went up to, to Liverpool not not expecting to win, they they 
we're pretty much going through the motions, he said. Um, which is incredible, really, if you're going to head into a game thinking you're not going to win, the chances are you won't. But yeah, it was interesting speaking to him. But he said they had a right old party afterwards. Yeah, I bet they did. I remember seeing it on the news the following morning that they got back to Highbury about three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so I'd imagine there was... Well, they had, but with back to see about being closer to the fans, as in the film, they, they stopped it because um, they were thinking, we're not going to, said back then, so all the clubs were shutting at like two in the morning, we're not going to get back in time to go anywhere. And they went to this club called Winners in North London. And on the film, actually, it's got all photos and clips of all the players. And I mean, the guys who, and they had the guys on who run that bar. Yeah. And imagine the fans that were in there that night. I mean, you never get, the loads of them have mementos, like ties and yeah, shirts or whatever from, but they all, they all celebrated with the fans yeah. in, a, in like a London bar. It's just like, Amazing. you know, nuts. Can you imagine that now? Well, Brighton's boys won't be uh, you, down the local, will they? You had sort of Knockhart and, uh, and whatnot down West Street in Brighton, yeah. didn't they? Yeah. Which was quite nice, but yeah, it's a rarity. You see it's that. quite nice to say it cost us a title, mate, but never mind. I think, it did, you know, I think it did. I think it did. I think it did. I think David it Stockdale was... cost us the title. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's borderline unprofessional when the season. Yeah, I'm. I don't think it was that. I think it was the disrespectful way that we treated um, Bristol City on that 29th of April, when we basically had a coronation before we kicked off. Totally. And we had Zamora and Peter Ward being interviewed. What's it going to be like when we lift the championship at five o'clock? You know, not even thinking that Bristol City. Actually, had a team. I think it was totally disrespectful and. um, and I hope, and that, that was one of the things Paul Barber alluded to, that they had made mistakes and everybody makes mistakes in life and they learn from them. And mm. I hope that was something that they will learn from. Yeah, I can't imagine yeah. Houston would have been happy with the way that the season finished, Not despite, all, despite you know, getting promoted. That was like a, it was like a Neil Kinnock rally, wasn't it, in Sheffield, before <laughs> losing to Thatcher. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the front page of the Sun. Yeah. They've got a massive, yeah. Uh, yeah. massive version of it in the office. Oh, the, the last old person, 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 person lights yeah. out. It me. takes pride of place over London Dearie Bridge. Me. There we go. So I, I feel like I've done a lot of talking about these two documentaries. So I'm now going to hand over to you boys about the. Uh, we want to touch on the the Alan Shearer piece around. Alzheimer's in football, and I think it heats in a film apparently um, about American footballers on, on a plane somewhere um, and talking about head injuries and the amount of money now in American football to, to, to basically sort of address this uh, research into it as well as supporting people affected. And that got him, and the link to Jeff Astor, obviously died in his 50s, um, and links to like, you know, is, is it links to Alzheimer's? I think they called it industrial injury or something for Jeff Astor. And so Shearer was trying to, I guess, get to the bottom of this. Nobby Styles is suffering from Alzheimer's as well. Jimmy yeah. Greaves has got has, has had a stroke, hasn't he? And you know. So I don't know what do you guys what, it, feel on that in terms sc- of is sadly it a it's quite point? close to home, and, and 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 it's no secret that he isn't in the in the best best of health now. Norman Gall, who, who was a prolific centre back with the Albion in the sixties and seventies, and then uh, was my co-host on the phone in in the in the noughties or whatever they call them. Um, Norman's not enjoying the, the best of health and has had, uh, you know, he's, he's developing symptoms. Um, one of the old-fashioned centre-backs heading loads of balls. So, yeah. you know, th- there's got to be something there. As you say, industrial injuries and... Uh, it's the same with boxing, isn't it? Yeah. You see the way sort of people like Muhammad Ali turned out and, and whatnot. It's, there's got to be a link, and I think science has proved that. But the problem is, 
I think How the problem you... with Muhammad Ali Ben was, was yeah. that he was he was allowed to go on too long, mm. um, and there and there were other issues. And you talk about book, uh, books and DVDs, uh, several DVDs and books on Muhammad Ali, and, and you know failing his medical before he fought Larry Holmes, and but still so being allowed to to fight. But the, but the, going back to the football thing, is what do you do with the football now? Because I've just got back from America on a holiday, and I was speaking mm. to some of my my girlfriend's family. And they, the kids who play what they call soccer over there, mm. they, they're not allowed to head the ball until about sort of nine or ten. They start quite young, See, which I is. And, that's and a I've, very I've heard rumours of that over here as well. That's like, a dangerous. Um, exactly. I, so. I, I don't know where we go. They still I mean, do that with the Liverpool centre halves. They're, they're not allowed to arrive <laughs> at the moment. Lovren. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's, it's duck, very, very sad, and, you know. And, uh, and I hope that um, with all the money swilling round in the game now, and, and, and as we touched on. The likes of Messi getting, you know, half a half a minute. But this is the but point. These people are looked after. Mm. But this, that's the Astor's point, isn't it? This is it. It's 15. It's basically um, Jeff Astor died in 2002. And Shearer's piece here is saying, like, 15 years later, yeah, effectively, the FA and the PFA are no closer to knowing the impact that heading a ball has on the brain. So, so where have they been in terms of supporting, you know, research into this, looking after their players, understanding what, what the impact is? And that's why Shearer's pushing it. And he's saying they've only just agreed to fund some research into it. So, so why is it taking 15 years? And that's why Jeff Astle's family been pushing it so hard so this is this is the issue well you, you with a tinfoil hat on you could say that you know the people at the top of the FA and the Premier League and whatnot know that there's a link and probably don't want it to get out because then because as, when as there's a said, blame there's a claim because the, well, the that, thing yeah. was uh, with Jeff Astor it wasn't one aside was it you know if if mm. if, if this is proved and then what and then what happens is, is it the clubs that are liable for it or is it the football association it's a, it's a massive it's, can it, of worms it's going to be a domino effect it, it could it could have serious ramifications serious but, ramifications. but you do wonder the actually because the other interesting thing he called out you know that the Fabrice Mwamba situation yeah. you know on the pitch and he was saying yeah he had the heart attack within six months there were defibrillators at every at every ground basically within six months this is like 15 years still not not being addressed that that's the, the it's unbelievable that it's not you think with all like you said hi with all the money in the game and you know yeah. the experts involved why is the link not been found or, or disproven you know um and just going back to to Moamba, you see michael carrick put a, a statement on twitter yesterday or the day before saying that he'd been out of the game because he found a heart problem Yes, well, yeah, so, so did Conor Goldson as well, didn't he? Yeah, Conor yeah. Goldson, Brighton. Yeah, absolutely. There. So from such a, a tragic incident as Moamba, I mean, it was amazing he survived, really. But um, you've had a lot of positives, like you said, with clubs doing a lot of proactive work to to get defibrillators in the game and whatnot. So there needs to be something done with uh, with the Alzheimer's. Well, hopefully that will be, you know, that will sort of kickstart it off the back of this. You know, giving it the PR. You, yeah. you, know, you got to hope it gets it gets something going, basically. So, after film reviews, yeah. uh, the outsiders, we're going to get to our... Uh, References to Morecambe and Wise, which some of our younger <laughs> listeners might not even know they are. <laughs> Me included, I think. Google Morecambe and Wise and Christmas specials. Get on YouTube. Christmas specials. After you've uh, yeah. obviously Googled uh, the People's Pundits to see yeah. Hearty's yeah, interview. Beautiful. Clearly. 
So super cool and uh, major, major tool. tool. So Mr. Hart, so we start yeah, with Yeah, I'm going with super cool. Super cool. Super cool. I'm actually going for your man crush, um, Marco Silva, if only for his victory. Not only, I'm sorry, not, that, that's, that's wrong, rewind. I'm going <laughs> for the fact, not only because of his victory up at Newcastle, clearly, and we've uh, alluded to it, that he was uh, Everton's target or a target for Everton um, and you know that he's actually had a bit of stickability as um, Ian Dowie used to call it well no bounce back ability of course, <laughs> wasn't it? so he's had a bit of stickability and uh, a bit of loyalty yes which is um, something that's probably lacking in our game good shout well you won't hear me obviously going against no, Mr no, Silver, Silver being no. nominated <laughs> hi ho Silver <laughs> And how about you, uh, Ben, for Super Cool? Super Cool, I think, uh, is going to be found this Saturday in the Premier League. It's, um, it's the league's partnership with Stonewall, the LGBT charity. All right. So you're going to have all the clubs and all the players wearing rainbow laces and whatnot, yeah. and, you know, sort of rainbow armbands and things, which is, you know, it's a nice, nice touch. But I think the, um, the wider issue of, you know, of, of homophobia in the game and, um, and inclusivity is uh, is important. So well done to the Premier League for that. And uh, hopefully, if there are any sort of players still in the closet who who um, don't feel like they can come out at the moment, hopefully that you know it could be a catalyst for uh, for change on that front. So that's right. my super cool. We mentioned that before. There's a couple of things like that rainbow laces thing. I know in the past um, it's obviously been a voluntary thing, and the take up. Wasn't great, was it? From from the clubs, but, yeah, from the clubs yeah. and the players no. in terms of the amount that did it. Mm. Um, and I'm with you. I mean, we, we sort of discussed this before. I mean, I, I'm I'm still amazed that we've not had, um, you know, that footballers still feel that they can't come out. Clearly, you know, we, we saw that. You know, was it it's Gareth Thomas, isn't it, the rugby player who came yeah. out? Yeah, Gareth but, Thomas came out, but it, but but it's still, unfortunately, in any walk of life. I mean, I'm, I don't want to open up a can of worms 37 minutes in. <laughs> you know, but Kevin Spacey has decided to, to go in, in a different direction just to, to almost cover his tracks. So, so clearly he felt for all those years that, yeah. he, that, that he couldn't bring it out. Um, you know, and, and the But his thing is a totally different yeah, no, thing. No, though, but I'm it? just saying, you, you, you're saying that, that, that players can't... Some people just feel they cannot come out. But this is a whole community. We look at, in this day and age, I know this is probably another topic we should do, yeah. but you look at, I guess, society now is far more... It's not totally accepting, I get that, but it's far more accepting. Um, and I, I, I just find it incredible that you've got like a whole industry a whole set of employees who just no one not one person has decided well no one high yeah. profile I know there was, there was a German so, player wasn't I know, there I, I know through my work I know of a couple who I'm, through <laughs> evidence that we've got yeah. that 95% that they are gay or either bi I mean it's no big deal really but obviously I can't, I can't say who they are but I think you'll find more clubs write down are, their initials <laughs> you'll, you'll find more clubs I think this weekend adopting the rainbow laces thing because, yeah. because of the, the partnership with, so. with yeah, the Premier League so. well I hope so you know it's, we've all got to live and let live and you know it's just that's a good super cool we'll have yeah. to, that is a topic I think we should yeah. uh, we should ret- return to um, for me Mike because I, I was trying to remember how long ago it was for the last podcast uh, and it might be a bit old hat now, but I wanted to call out Southgate, who's another 
sort of a man crush slightly behind Silva. I've said to you, Harty, I, I like what Southgate's doing in the England team. Mm. And I think he should be commended for bringing in the young players. Yeah. And I think an international manager, I think we've got it right at the moment in terms of someone who's looked after the under-21s and all that. Those players have worked under him, respect him. I think he's a bright guy. I think it was a good decision to do that. And uh, not necessarily short term, but I think longer term, he is a really good appointment for England, mm. is my view. Mm. But I, I would call him out as a But what happens if that. it all goes wrong in Russia and, and ben, <laughs> ben, I'm not saying Ben, but ben, Ben's contemporaries, his, his colleagues and other people in the media. The pitchforks will be out. Yeah, Martin, lead a witch hunt. That's the problem. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think he's a great appointment and that he's an appointment for the future. But it, it is a quick fix thing, isn't it? And if yeah. it doesn't go right... You need you need some you need some trust and you need to think of you know the next five or ten years. I you think need you need at least three tournaments, don't yeah. you? Really, as a, as an England manager, but you're not going to get him. Are you, really? I'd like to see Arsene Wenger in the job. Not, not, <laughs> Only because you want to get rid of him. Oh. Yeah, not just because I want him. So he'd be dead by three tournaments. <laughs> I know the uh, FA have always been quite keen on him. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. it would be interesting to see how he gets on next summer. That'd be good. Yeah, <laughs> I think he'd be a proper boy. So, in terms we're going reverse order, and I'll mm. kick off the major tools, and then <laughs> pass back to you guys. I'd say I've got one, poacher turned gamekeeper. It's like, you know, obviously a Liverpool fan from a kid, and picking up when we moved here 12 years ago, you know, the, the Brighton thing, wanting to give the kids a local team and all that, and being a season ticket holder. So I've now gone from that thing of supporting, if you like, you know, a big, big club, versus now one that's on the up, but it's obviously a smaller club. And I'm really noticing, you know this thing about where people have a go at the big clubs about getting decisions yeah. or all the feedback yeah. they get in the media. And I'm really starting to see it now. And I have to say, Brighton, both on Talk Sport and Match of the Day, I was at the game, as, as was Harty, against Man U. Yeah. Brighton were absolutely tremendous. They lost yeah. to a deflected goal. It's yeah. travesty they didn't come away with something. And yeah, I watched Match of the Day and they decided to spend probably 80% of their post-game review talking about Ashley Young. And we didn't uh, even get to see Fellaini's potential handball, did we? No, no. Or now, the foul or knock-out yeah, and all that I stuff that got nothing. the crowd going. And I just thought there was no... Having been at the game, that was there was no reflection of what had gone on. And then I tuned in to talk sport on the way driving back and I went on and spoke with... Uh, it was at Joey Barton and uh, Danny Kelly... The guy, I think it was Perry Groves, every time they were talking about the results of the day, it was, oh, Brighton, um, you know, what a performance from Matty Ryan, the, the Brighton keeper, to, like, you know, keep them in the game and stuff. And I was like, hang on a second, he made, yeah. he made one or two good saves, but, but we, we outplayed United. And so yeah. my, my major tool is almost like a media play, yeah. match day talk sport on the... I, I do now see on the other side of the fence yeah. that the smaller clubs do not get a fair crack. Is that we because... are the Robin Hoods of the media. <laughs> Is that because they've got more fans to appease, though, the radio station? It shouldn't be about appeasement. It should be about reporting the That's facts. That's what it's about these days. You need it's listeners. about reporting the facts. 
I mean, Ashley. Well, you, you can you can you can deliver the facts in the, you know. But the match of the day, spent eight percent time not only lauding Ashley Young and, and repeating about you know watching him roasting Anthony Knockout on about three occasions, which fair enough he did roast Anthony yeah, Knockout. But, but the game in terms of Kevin, players you've been called you, out. Son. What's going on? Really, I'm really disappointed. Yeah, no, I, I'm just messing. I agree. I think <laughs> I think it's pretty lazy sometimes. It's just. And it's a throwaway comment at the end for like shit. Oh yeah, but oh, but Brighton, by the way, they're very unlucky not getting it. Fantastic. But it was just like a throwaway yeah. line at the end of it all, you know. Yeah. Anyway, I've finished my rant. Come on in, Ben. Who's your major tool? Um, it's it's hard because I've uh, only just caught a few games at the weekend because I've been in um, Lucky Me America for four weeks just doing a bit of travelling. Living the dream. So that my <laughs> my major tool comes from there, and it's not f- football related as such because Don't it's we're not getting into your relationship <laughs> because, or anything now. <laughs> because it's American football, which I have yeah. a, a thing ah. with. Um, it's it's absolute nonsense, and I had the displeasure of watching a bit of it on telly. I had a tour around the Dallas Cowboys yeah. stadium as well in Texas, and. The, um, my girlfriend and I had a bit of a laugh. The guy who was showing us around, he absolutely loved the Cowboys and he loved American football. And he was telling us what a fantastic stadium this was and all this yeah. and that. And he took us to the owner's suite and it was rubbish. It was so bad. It was slack. It was dirty. Uh, but as for the actual sport itself, I don't understand how so many Americans love American football. It's stop-start, it's slow, it's boring, um, and it's it's not football, and they need to start calling soccer football. You just answered your question. <laughs> it's the American nation. Yeah, they're absolutely crackers, the Americans. Yeah. I, I, I like, you know, I like them, but yeah. they're absolutely bonkers. Yeah. And, and for a sport that's played mostly with their hands, where does the foot come into it as well? So. Yeah. Absolutely, <laughs> man. As you say. Good call. So on 45 right. minutes, Mr. Hart, the floor is yours. I will be bringing in on Major Tool. Romelu Lukaku, Major Tool. Ah, right. Have a look Tell at the Brighton. No, have a look at the corner, which Ashley Young eventually scored from. He fouled Gaten Bong not, not once but twice. And I thought ref, referees were supposed to also look out off the ball 